Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thursday morning. We're almost there. What are we looking at now? We're looking at uh, 36, 37 hours until Utah and USC kick off. That's Friday night. Saturday afternoon, it's BYU and Washington. Sunday night, it's Utah State and San Diego State. You watch all three local teams start to finish, no overlapping. They're all on networks that are easy to find. FS1 for the Utes, ABC over the air for the Cougars, and then CBS Sports Network for Utah State. So it's all there for you. We're going to start with Kyrus Tonga. I thought he had a massive game against USC. I tweeted that out. If you go back and look at my Twitter timeline, some guy tweets at me. I say, he's, you know, that USC is really struggling with him. And it's like, Utah didn't struggle with him. Not the point. USC is struggling with him. Now the question is, Washington, their run game. They have three running backs who all average at least five and a half yards a carry. They can run the ball. Are they going to run it at him? Are they going to run away from him, stay on the edges? Uh, here he is with the media on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is there anything that you've changed this season compared to uh, previous two years? Braxton, but my older brother can't my weight? I don't know. Yeah, probably that. Everything else has just been uh, something I've been working on since my freshman year. Hands, feet. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, the main part of it was weight loss. So good. Weight loss? Yeah. So how much did you lose? I lost 35. And how did you do that? Awesome, right? Stop eating McDonald's. <laughs> yes. Um, if we're being honest. <laughs> no more, like, extra hours in the weight room as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Extra hours. Hours more running after practice and uh, just just being disciplined with eating and uh, knowing what to do. So. And what sparked that commitment to want to drop the pounds? Uh, the coaches, the coaches told me that uh, if I ever want to make it to the league, that's something I have to do. So uh, I took it to heart and uh, stay committed with it. Took me a little while, unfortunately. So have you been able to keep the weight off? I know that was a battle this summer. No, it was good. Uh, it's just hard because the hotel, they feed us and going to movies, popcorn. But uh, that's why I turn the weed, just run as hard as I can. Every play, uh, run to the ball. So it's, it balances out. You were just owning that USC center. Did he ever, like, say anything to you during the game? Like, no, he, he didn't talk at all. Uh, usually a lot of linemen talk, but uh, he didn't say anything. He was a, he's a nice guy. I, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Did you happen to see video after you sacked the quarterback in the quarterback's mental state? You, yeah, I did. He looked a little woozy. Yeah. I, I know. Was, he's, a, he's a good QB, a uh, great QB, actually. Uh, super young, and uh, sky's the limit for him, so I hope he continues to, to be good. How do you guys view this now second opportunity to face this Washington team? Now you guys have them at home. I think it's just, just more pumped up for us uh, as a team, especially for the players that have been here. Uh, we know last year was, uh, was a heartbreaking loss. Uh, they dominated us, uh, every, every, both sides of the ball, uh, all three phases. So uh, I think it's an opportunity to come out, new slate. Uh, we're at home. Our crowd is being crazy, so uh, we're excited. Where do you feel you you are? A, you guys are a different defense now than you were maybe at that point last year? I feel like we're more uh, confident in ourselves. I think last year uh, we had a lot of great players, but uh, we were just, I don't know, we were still trying to figure out ourselves a uh, new defensive scheme that year. Uh, now that we have a whole year under ourselves, uh, play with more confidence and we'll fly around more. How has your life changed since you've blown up these three games? 
my life. Yeah, just like when you go to class, people recognize you or anything like that. Just, 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 oh no, I'm just still the same guy in the front, so uh, <laughs> I still have to do my homework like everyone else. No, I, I, I get like, hey, good job, Kyrie. They call me the wrong name, but it's cool. But uh, they, I understand. Like, a lot of people know. But, uh, I'm just continuing to work hard. There's BYU's Kyrus Tonga. He is just anchoring that defensive line right in the middle, absorbing all the punishment, and sometimes uh, just bull rushing into the backfield and just blowing up the play before it starts. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Riley Nelson former Cougar quarterback, current radio analyst on the broadcast, what he saw from up high at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, the schemes BYU used on offense and on defense to beat the Trojans. That's next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ, PK, and Riley Nelson join us, BYU football radio analyst former quarterback. He's on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Good morning, DJ PK. How y'all feeling today? Great, man. (laughs) Just absolutely fantastic. How could you not be? We were one of the 10,000 that stormed the field on Saturday, Riley. Good. I'm assuming neither of you suffer from claustrophobia. No. I've of a couple of games where, where that happens. And that's, uh, it's exciting at first, and then the stress sets in. You're like, am I ever going to get out of this sweaty pile of human bodies? You know, we were all thinking, even you, you know, they can get out of here with two and two. They got a shot at eight wins. Well, man, here they are already. Let's go for three and one. Yeah, no question. I think, and I think they got a shot. I mean, I was as I was watching some Washington film, especially the Cal game. Cal's got an excellent defense. I was thinking back on on this defense for BYU, and it's one that yeah, Utah got thirty, but twenty of those points were gifted to them by the offense, uh, by BYU's offense, and then they held Tennessee, you know, to the teams in regulation, and a USC team that was high-flying and being touted for their offense. And by the way, I, I still think they have a good offense. I think BYU benefited from some fortunate timing getting a getting its true freshman and only a second start and the first time he was really facing any kind of complex zone looks. Um, but still they held, you know, they held a USC, a high-flying USC defense or offense uh, to minimal points. And, and so whenever you got... Uh, anyway, I see a lot of similarities between the Cal deep, what Cal, you know, was able to do to Washington, and I think some opportunities if BYU comes out, plays well, and executes what they could do to Washington. And then we know the offense has done enough. So with the defense limiting them, we know the offense has done enough to stay in games and stay competitive, and they've been able to be clutch down the stretch. So anytime that's kind of your model for wins, you've got a shot. So I'm, I'm curious because it seems to me that there's a couple different issues here. Uh, USC obviously had an issue with turnovers. 
Now, for Washington, it seems like the issue isn't so much turnovers, but it does seem like the Washington offense, even though they switched quarterbacks, has a problem that they had a year ago settling for too many field goals. If they had finished drives with touchdowns against Colorado, you know, if, 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 I know. But I think they would have won the game pretty easily. They moved the ball, but they kicked four field goals. Do you think BYU can get Washington to bog down in the red zone? Because you can't blow teams out kicking field goals. That'll keep the game close, if nothing else. Yeah, I do think, I, and I felt this way. Um, it's an interesting strategy. It's not. It's not very sexy, and it's not very like headline grabbing. But Coach Tuiaki's strategy since he's been at BYU has been one of, of, essentially like Ben don't break. We're gonna put in. We're gonna go in, and we're gonna play the best defense that gives uh, against our opponent that gives them the most fits. And, uh, and that's going to require them to sustain drives and to be excellent in the red zone. And so, and those are two very, as you look across the landscape of college football and you look within any game, uh, eight, 10 play, 12 play drives that end in touchdowns are not very common. And that's kind of what BYU's defense is architected to force the opponent to do. So with that being the case, and with Washington being one who struggles to capitalize on on opportunities in the red zone with touchdowns, uh, again, it's another, similar to how I said it lined up pretty well for BYU, that they were playing a freshman QB for USC who's never really seen, you know, drop eight zone coverage. Uh, I think the same kind of matchup lines up here where you've got a BYU defense that's going to bend and not break and, and probably – is happy to give up a field goal as long as they can keep you out of the, out of the end zone. I want you to evaluate Grimes and A-Rod's play calling. It seems to me, and you would know more and better than I would, that their creativity at the right time has been really good. Oh, no question. Uh, you know, I'm going to cite a source and give some credit where credit credit's due. Uh, Ryan Rossillo podcast, he had Trent Dilfer on last Friday. Dilfer was talking about uh, different offensive philosophies throughout the NFL, and they kind of got centered on the Patriots, for, I think for obvious reasons, but what, one of the comments that he made is the Patriots, a lot of people try and establish an offensive identity, right? That's been an axiom for a long time in football. Or are we a power run team? Are we a air raid team? Do we spread it out? Are we an RPO? Are we a zone run team? Are all these things. And Dilfer made the comment that the Patriots made their offensive identity one of execution. And that's why, because their identity and execution, that's what allows them from week to week to go from Brady throwing 404 touchdowns to lining up, and this was a couple years ago, but back when they had LeGarrette Blunt lining up with a 240-pound tailback in the back and throwing two and three tight end sets out there and just road grading you. And I see, obviously I'm not comparing this BYU offense to the Patriots, but I see a similar philosophy kind of at play because that game plan against USC was one that was tailor-made, not necessarily to BYU's strength, but the play calling and the game plan going into the game was one that took advantage of places where USC had weaknesses. Case in point, in the red zone, on that on that draw where Zach Wilson ran it in for a touchdown, uh, that they had got that look, they had seen that look on film in the red zone where USC kept two safeties high. They were basically playing two man under. So they line a, a running back up in the backfield. They motion him out to make sure that it's man coverage. And if and when they do motion the running back out of the backfield and go to empty, the middle linebacker vacated the box, leaving five offensive linemen 
against four defensive linemen at two safeties with their heels at 14 yards down the field. And so that's why the running lane was tremendously wide open. Obviously, Zach Wilson uh, is a tremendous athlete and was good enough to navigate his way through the secondary and for a touchdown. But that was a call that was so timely and, and so perfect that, yeah, like you kind of set, started off this question with, you got to give a lot of credit to the Grimes and Roderick for their game plan coming in and their ability to use the right calls at the right time throughout the game. Everybody loves trick plays and big plays, but they come in a lot of different flavors. I thought some of the trick plays they chose to use weren't so much uh, tricky, bizarro, gimmicky, uh, but it was more using your weakness or your strength against you. You know your greatest strength is your weakness and all that. When they run on the opening touchdown drive, when Tyson... Uh, Tyson Williams uh, fakes the reverse. It's like it's still a solid play. You have your best running back carrying the ball. It's not gimmicky. But at the same time, using that motion with a really athletic defense, those guys just overreact and the whole side of the field opens up for them. Uh, when, you were, when you were playing and running those plays, did you ever have that feeling about different stuff you practice? Like this is a little gimmicky and this is rock solid? Yeah, well, one of the things Grimes has has shown to me over the years to be as a great self scouter. If you know, if you remember in the Tennessee overtime, one of the things that set up their game winning touchdown was so they it was overtime, so they were in the red zone and they ran the end around to eleven Evo. Well, this time they give the same action, um, and that was because. So the, the reason why that end around was timely is because they were starting to wear him down. Tyson was starting to rip off chunks, and they knew they were going to get over pursuit. So it was the perfect opportunity um, to give the end around to Hefo against Tennessee. Well, now this, they, you know USC's watched that. You know that they've scouted that, okay, we got to watch for the end around. When they get in the red zone, we got to watch for the end around out of this formation. And so Grimes comes out, gives the end around action, as Tyson just hauled out the ball there for everyone to see, it freezes everyone, and he's able to come around. So, to me, that's that's not even really a gimmick or a trick play. That's the same as it's a play action, but rather than a play action pass, it's a play action run in that you're giving them a look that you've run previously. You hope that it reacts or freezes to them, and then you take advantage of their of their reaction to seeing to a look that they've prepared for. And I thought that another great thing that they that they. Um, debuted in this game against USC. Out of that trips formation, they ran a lot of mesh concept. They pretty much only ran run plays, and that, and so they line up in that same mesh concept, and they started running quick toss, and they had some pretty good success with both Williams and Asupa out of the quick toss. So that Grimes and Roderick and the, and the entire staff, and give credit to the players for executing, but they're doing a great job in this, this term kind of got like a buzzword a couple years ago, but being multiple. I think that was one of those Gruden terms that got popular when he was on ESPN. But out of the same look, they're able to execute a bunch of different plays, and it's turning out really well for them. When you have a game like that, and it seemed to me that when everybody was pouring out on the field, it was not just in the moment. It was releasing frustration of all the things for BYU because they haven't been on top here after being on top for so long. So there's all this emotion spent, and I imagine this week on campus, people are patting them on the back and everything, and they're feeling good. How do you turn around just seven days later and play a team that I could very much argue is a lot better than the one you just beat and everybody celebrated like crazy yeah that's a that's a great question you really have to have um, 
a short memory. We use that term a lot for like quarterbacks and throwing picks and stuff. You got yeah, it's true. you have to have a short memory for the mistakes that you make, but you also have to have a short memory for your successes because your successes they can. Uh, you can kind of get drunk off your own successes, and it takes a lot of maturity and it takes a lot of leadership. I think uh, with this with this team, with their core being so young, I think this is a great opportunity for them. It's like okay, most people expected us to be like one and three or even zero and four, so we've beaten expectations. We, so are we just okay with you know barely kind of exceeding people's expectations or barely doing the unexpected? Or do we want to blow people's expectations out of the water? Do we really want to prove a lot of our doubters wrong and do what... Well, well very few people thought we were going to be 2-2. Two two. There were some that did, but no one was saying we were going to come out of this first month 3-1. and one. So how motivated are we? How dedicated are we? How willing are we to put the successes behind to leave those in the past and treat this week like a brand new week, like we still have something to prove, um, and, and go out and and do what is really unexpected. And so that that still, well, like I said, this is an exciting opportunity for this team. I think we learned a, a lot about them last week. I think we'll learn even more about them this week. And again, I think Washington is a very good and formidable opponent. Um, uh, even if even if if it's a close game, the ball maybe doesn't bounce BYU's way. That'll still prove to me the metal of this team that they're mature and they can handle the challenges from week to week. But if they come out and lay an egg, then we know like okay, they got you know high off their own success and and uh, they still have quite a bit of maturing to do. What do you think Chris Peterson is thinking as he watches the film of BYU's last two wins? He's looking for weaknesses. He's looking for somewhere he can attack. What do you think he sees? What do you think he plans? Uh, offensively, I think he's looking at that three-man front and, and thinking, we, look, we're not going to make the same mistakes as USC and continue to try and throw the ball over the middle against five and six underneath defenders and give them three picks. We are going to do what what USC failed to do. We're going to do what Tennessee did for most of the second half but gave up on. Tennessee was ripping off chunks, but they, but twice they got into big third downs late in the game and they decided to, well, one time, they, rather than running at the teeth where they were getting the chunks, they did a fly sweep that got, that got stifled. And the other time they decided to throw on a third and four. And, of course, USC ended the game by uh, on a third and four when they probably would have been better off on the ball. I think Chris Peterson is one who's saying, look, we're not going to get tempted by that same thing. It may be tough sledding. They're good. They've shown to be they've shown to be solid with that three-man defensive front, but I'm sure we can, if we just keep pounding with the sledgehammer, we can break through it and, and do it. So that's what I think he's thinking offensively. And then defensively, I think he's looked at these last two weeks and he's like, all right, BYU's faced heavy, heavy doses of, of man coverage, not only two weeks, but three weeks, because the entire second half against Utah was man coverage as well. And it's obvious that BYU has adjusted. They've gotten more and more productive offensively from each week, essentially against the same scheme. So I think he's coming in and saying, look, Zach Wilson's got plenty of, of reps against man coverage. We're going to mix it up on him. Nobody's really got any unique pressures. He hasn't seen much zone blitzing, um, which is something that Chris Peterson, at least from playing against him at his time in Boise, was incredibly good at. You were you were always leery of a tackle or an end dropping into a coverage unexpectedly. Sometimes even the opposite end from the short side coming all the way across um, to the wide side of the field to like pick up a, a crossing route or something like that. And so to get 
So that's kind of what I think he's going to do. Stick with the run on offense and on defense, really mix up the look because BYU's gotten heavy, heavy, straight-up man looks. And I expect to see some more zone and some exotic blitzes. Riley, we appreciate a few minutes as always and uh, enjoy the game. I guess it's probably been pretty fun for you the last couple weeks. Enjoy the game this week. Okay, and uh, stay safe out there if we storm the field again this week, huh? <laughs> okay. okay, got it. <laughs> PK's out there with yeah. a right, helmet on. There's BYU broadcaster Riley Nelson. When we come back, Riley Jensen on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joins us now on the Sprint special guest line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. What's going on? Well, we're getting ready for a big weekend of college football, and your Aggies are going to San Diego State for a conference opener. The Utes are also headed to Southern California to play USC Friday night in their conference opener, and BYU's got Washington at home after a pair of overtime wins. You know, I'm kind of thinking I ought to pick all three road teams, and as soon as I say that out loud, I'm thinking, what am I thinking? So, (laughs) if I were picking all three road teams, you would tell me, well, you're wrong, DJ, because... Ooh, if I were to tell you that you were wrong, I would say it would have to be because BYU runs out of some of this magic for a minute. I if anything, they play super competitive and then they get edged out at the end. But I, I, I'll tell you what, I, it's been really, really fun just to just to think about like the quarterback play right now in the state of Utah. I was looking through some of the statistics, and there's there's some really really cool things going on. I think I think there's some improvement that can take place. But these quarterbacks right now. The way Tyler Huntley's playing, the way Zach Wilson's playing, and then of course we all knew Jordan Love was going to be good. They give you a chance on the road, no matter no matter where you're at. And uh, I, I I don't think it's that crazy to think that all three teams could win on the road. But you were making me pick negative. That's that's all. Utah State. The other thing is is at San Diego State. I just I played against Rocky Long and his defense when he was in New Mexico and he was with Bronco. They will hit the quarterback, and if if they're able to rattle him at all, and they throw him off of his passing game, that could be a tough that could be a tough road game as well. And then, of course, University of Utah playing at USC, and they're starting to play for Coach Helton's life. You know, um, that was a big loss for them on Saturday, and if they lose two in a row, I think I think I think things are going to be scrambling down there. 
So you had it exactly right, as you often do. You said it was best with the new quarterback, first road game with the freshman of Slovis, to go ahead and drop eight and kind of confuse him. And obviously BYU did that and came up with two interceptions, and they got a tip pass for the third one to seal the game now. So I want to ask you about BYU's defensive approach with Eason, who he played two years ago at Georgia, played a little bit. Uh, his second year, but then got beat out and redshirted last year, transferred, redshirted. So hadn't played a lot of football in the last two years. And Washington obviously would have the film on the way BYU defended Slovis of SC. How do you think that would be best for Tuiaki to approach this defensive assignment against Eason versus Washington? Yeah, so I think I think you mix it up a little bit more against Eason. And, and what you do is you just keep throwing – a lot of different looks and maybe maybe run you know and I, I don't want to get all geeked out on the coverages but you run a three cloud then you run cover three then you run cover one then you run cover four and I think BYU's progressed enough that that's a little bit hard to do as a defensive coordinator early in the season but I think defensively they're feeling confident and I think you can throw more looks at a quarterback just to keep him off balance and then and then bring blitzes where you found their tendencies you know, to throw the ball and and really try and get after him a little bit. I I think this will be a little bit more of a mix. Um, <clears throat> I didn't I didn't, I hadn't talked to to Tuiaki or anything, but as soon as I saw it early, I was like, oh, this is going to be this is going to be a little bit tough for this quarterback because it just that last game when I was watching, I just remember the first time I went against a, a rush three drop eight. It was really really tough to like. Because you have all these rules from when you were young playing, and and there's there's so many like fun rules that you learn when they drop seven or when they bring the blitz, and you feel like you have a real command of that when you when you drop eight, it just feels like there's so many guys defending that it's it's really tough. And there was you know there was a pick, it was interesting. There was there was a lot of just like unsure throws that I thought they kept him off balance all game. And I mean you got to give BYU credit. Not only were they playing. You know, rush three, drop eight, but they were sacking the quarterback when they were doing that. They were, I mean, BYU's defense really runs to the ball. And I think, I mean, honestly, I think BYU's back. And I don't even care what happens this weekend. I think BYU's back. They, they, they'll play competitive this weekend. There'll be nothing to hang their head about after this weekend. And Quite honestly, if they come out of this three and one, I mean, I never would have told you they'd be three and one with that schedule. And if they're two and two, that's still super impressive. And so I, I really think BYU's back because, and the, and the reason why is, is I think we all know that Zach Wilson is a good quarterback, and there's tons of improvement that's going to happen after these tough first four games. You're going to see him really start to come into his own because I think he's played solid football. I don't think he's played lights out football. And they're still winning football games. I mean, when he starts playing lights out, uh, I I think BYU's a scary team right now. So Washington has three running backs averaging five and a half yards per carry or more. So if BYU's dropping eight regularly here, I assume Washington's running. Maybe not up the middle because Kyrus Tonga seems like just a big old handful. USC couldn't handle them. But are they running off tackle? They're running wide. Is this really about the BYU defense being able to handle the Washington run game, especially in the red zone where Washington struggled? That's where I think That's where I think this is a little bit different team and a different approach. That's why I don't think you'll see as many three-man rushes and drop eight. 
because they've they've got to stop the run. They've got to stop the run. But I also think I also think that if they mix up the coverages behind that, they can still cause a little bit of confusion for the quarterback. But they've got to make an effort to stop the run. Um, the freshman running back, I, I can't remember his name. I think he's number 28. I mean, he might be the best of all of them. And, you know, they're rotating those guys in and running the ball really effectively. And that helps a quarterback, and especially a quarterback that hasn't played in a couple of years, to be able to, you know, use play action to protect him and to do some different things. So, you know, I, I, I expect BYU to play good defense again. I expect BYU to be able to – to move the ball offensively, and I expect it to be competitive. I, I mean, if you're a BYU fan, you've got to be excited about the direction that they're going this year. I am, and I am. How about that? Well, we've always known that you bleed blue. <laughs> we've always known that you're a big Cougar. A lot of Cougar fans don't believe that, but sure, let's go with it. <laughs> I am, and I am. That's all I'm going to say on that. You <laughs> fans believe it, but Cougar fans don't. It's a weird deal. Now switching I don't to my see why you fans believe that he's a Ute fan, right? Which is yeah. interesting, right? Well, switching to my second favorite team, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? No Aggie love? No Aggie love here. Well, I'm just I proceed south and head north. It's it's, it's a geographical thing. I'm coming from Arizona, so what do you want? <laughs> okay, okay. We'll uh, take what we can get. We'll take what we can get. Tyler Huntley has just been sensational. Nothing short of brilliant. Now, how much of that is his maturity, his ability, his connection with Ludwig versus lesser competition, and what do you expect we'll see now that the competition is going to increase? All, all of the above. I mean, he's older, he's wiser, he's seasoned, he's got Ludwig. And, and I'll tell you, um, in the first game, there were some question mark throws, but it was an extremely high percentage and extremely efficient for what he needed to do. He he is really coming into his own. And this is what I thought was going to happen with Andy Ludwig. I mean, he's something – I mean, his first down – like completion percentage is, is ridiculous. It's like 85%. It's like he's throwing against air. I mean, there's high school quarterbacks that can't throw 85% against air. And then you got, you know, um, he's, he's just super efficient right now. Four touchdowns, no picks. His eyes are in the right place. I mean, this is the kind of mistake-free football that Kyle Whittingham loves. Right. This is the this is the kind of mistake-free football that Kyle Whittingham can win with, and this is what I thought Ludwig could bring to the team. I mean, just you know, nonchalantly averaging 440 yards a game again, averaging a bunch of points, really high efficiency with the quarterback, and running the ball well. I mean, if this isn't if this isn't the dream scenario and the dream formula for what Kyle Whittingham likes to play. And really, the way Ludwig has always coached quarterbacks, and I, I don't know what he is. Tyler Huntley is going to play well against high competition. He's not going backwards at this point. And, I mean, yeah, you can say, well, you know, you played against Idaho State, you played against Northern Illinois. and I mean, they're still college football teams. I mean, yeah, Idaho State might be the one that you throw out, but I still feel like Northern Illinois, I mean, you take all those stats to the bank. Those are, those are good football players. It's not a terrible team. And I think you're just going to see more and more of it. And the way they're running the football and the efficiency in which they're throwing it is is off the charts. Now, all three quarterbacks in the state, 
you know, they haven't thrown that much. There's not a huge sample in the red zone, but I think they all could improve just a little bit in the red zone. But part of the reason why they're not throwing the ball as much in the red zone is because they've been effective in the run game. And so I just see him getting that number up. But, man, when you're, when you're completing 85% on first down and you're in second and short and third and short most of the time, it's, it's, it's fun to play offense. It's really fun to play offense. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. So assuming that Tyler and the offense keep up this high level and SC's given up over 400 yards per game, so that doesn't seem like a big stretch, SC's chance to win the game is to get in a shootout and let those receivers make big plays. How much does Kyle copy what BYU did defensively, and how much does he just do his thing and not worry about the whole zone and drop an eight? Because they tend to rush four and they like to play man. How much do they get away from those and copy BYU's game plan? I think he'll be. I think he'll be a little bit more selective when he does the rush three, drop eight, just because he can get so much pressure with four guys. Um, I think. I think you'll see a heavy dose of man to man. I think. I think he'll stay very traditional, but I think that he'll th- he'll sprinkle that in because I think it was effective, and I think he'll be able to see on film very clearly. I mean, you have to remember, Tuiaki was at Utah State and at the University of Utah. I mean, there's. There's a there's a huge influence of University of Utah's defense on um, both Utah State and BYU. I mean, when you look at those defenses, they're very they're they're all very similar. Yes, BYU sprinkles in a little bit more zone, maybe just because of their personnel. But there's a lot of the stuff that you see Utah State and BYU run are are Kyle's influence. And so, so yeah, you could say that. Um, They'll use BYU's game plan, but that would be like saying, well, yeah, I'm going to use my game plan. <laughs> so I just don't think he'll do as much rush three, drop eight, but I think he will in certain situations to confuse this young quarterback. And it's it's going to be tough. I mean, as good as Slovis is, I think Zach Wilson is a really good quarterback, and it's just tough to throw for a lot of yards against University of Utah. They're, they're very, very good defensively, and they're so sound. And if you're not accurate, it's going to be it's going to be really really tough to get throwing and, and passing yards against the University of Utah. Now you brought up about I think you're a little bit dramatic uh, playing for Clay Helton's life, maybe more like his job, obviously. But we get the point. How much do you buy in as a former player that that can be some form of motivation for these guys? Oh, I think it could be a motivation if you like the guy. But my 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 wonder and my guess is is that it's really hard. It's really hard for a coach to get everybody on the team to like it. I mean, it's just a no-win situation, and sometimes, sometimes. And so, my guess is that if he has fifty percent of the guys that are really, really battling for him, then it's not really going to matter. But if he has seventy-five percent of the guys, I think it, I think it matters. Um, but to, but to be honest, I, I just feel like the momentum there with that game last week I mean I think they got a little bit of an uptick I think we were excited about Slovis and about the way that he can play and I still think he's going to be a fantastic quarterback but with that BYU loss and then you get if you get a Utah loss here all of a sudden I I just think I just think it might be too much and I think the momentum might go the wrong way for USC so I I don't know that they're going to play well enough or motivated enough to beat the University of Utah just because I think I mean when, when you watch that game against BYU and you watch the way that the University of Utah 
they just have this way they're they're almost i don't know how to compare it but they're like a python it's like it's like they lean on you and they're just kind of like it's an mma fight and all of a sudden you're just kind of like you're kind of in this lull in the middle of the fight and then all of a sudden you realize you're suffocating and you can't breathe and they're just like stepping on your neck and the and the, and the game's over i mean the byu game as as competitive as it was for a while you could just feel utah leaning on them and just really just kind of putting their weight on them to where they could, they couldn't do anything and i and i feel like that's what's going to happen against usc too i think i think you'll see a first and a second quarter that seems exciting and competitive and then i just think you see the university of utah lean on them and lean on them and lean on them and pretty much that's they're going to be tapping out by the end of the third quarter. It's going to be like, I, I can't take this weight anymore. Because they're just a team that just comes at you in waves of depth, of size, and of speed. And it's and it's suffocating. It's really suffocating when I watch the University of Utah play right now. It seems like USC's best hope is uh, to let those receivers make big plays. And I think you've told us before, do you find it easier for a young quarterback to play against man and just see that somebody's open? Because the other thing I've heard is the defenses are more likely to come up with interceptions in zones because guys are faced up, looking at the quarterback, they see the ball the whole way, they don't have to turn their head and find it the last second. It's just easier. What do you think about those two thoughts and about how Kyle's going to use that to defend Slovis? Well, I think sometimes it's easier to throw against man-to-man unless they're all over them like a cheap suit, right? And BYU or Utah's defense right now has shown that they can rush four and play man-to-man, and you're just so you've got pressure in your face, and you've got tight windows to throw in because because these defensive backs are lights out. I mean, I there's some things that they do in man-to-man that I just like every once in a while. Like I'm watching a University of Utah game, and I'll have a flashback to like some scary situations where you're just like, man, there's nowhere to throw the ball right now, and I've got to make plays with my feet, and these D linemen are as fast as I am, right? And it's just, it's it's tough. Now, if you have a team that's playing man-to-man and they're bringing blitz all the time, and you can get the ball off quick in your short passing game, then I think, then I think it can be, you can feel confident as a quarterback, but these are the type. This is the type of team that can rush four and play man to man, and then they got roving Mike and Whit Backer because they don't have any responsibilities because you're you're trying to block all their guys. So not only do you have man to man, but you have two guys that are kind of just in the middle, like um, ruining your life when, when you're trying to make the read. And so it's it's it will be tough against the University of Utah in man to man. That's not true with every team, but but the good defensive teams when they can play really good man. And they and they could only run and they only have to rush four. It's it's really tough. And I, to be honest, that's the thing that I didn't know if the University of Utah could replicate in the Pac-12. And they have just shown that their formula works no matter what level they're on. And now that they're now that they have the recruits and the athletes that are Pac-12 level, it's it's even more scary than it was you know, in the Fiesta Bowl and the Sugar Bowl days because they were still playing that same formula back then. They just didn't have to play it against great teams as much. And I was like, well, how are they going to do when they play against a UCLA or USC team that has an NFL wide receiver? And, I mean, they've shown that this formula is sound and that it works. So if the Aggies want to win the division, they can't blow this, can they? No. No, they've got to start – They've got to win on the road against good quality teams. This is a big game for Utah State. Um, you know, 
Jordan Love has got to be the guy. He's got to be the guy that can that can throw at a high efficiency and not throw interceptions. He he just like Tyler Huntley is throwing like a blistering like eighty three percent on first down. Um, when I was looking through it, Zach Wilson's throwing like fifty five percent. I mean Zach's going to really help himself out if he can if he can throw on first down a little bit better. But switching back to Jordan Love. If he could just eliminate those interceptions, it's it's turning out that Wake Forest is a good team. They just beat North Carolina on the road. And the more Wake Forest wins, if that's their only loss, it's going to look good for them. And so he's just got to take care of the football. they got to continue to run it. Um, the struggle for Utah State is going to be that defensively they're – a little bit above average. They're not the typical defensive team that they've been. With the loss of some of those corners, um, um, I mean, Woody's an amazing talent, and he makes up for a lot of things on the inside. But even if you were to ask Gary, he would tell you this isn't the best defensive team that he's had. And so he's going to be coaching his butt off, you know, making sure that defensively they can slow teams down. But I think you're going to see a lot of high-scoring games with Utah State this year. And the, the thing that Jordan Love has got to do is he's got to protect the football, and they've they've almost got to win it almost like a, an arena league football game, right? If they get two stops, he can't give the other team two extra possessions. Um, they've got to make sure they score on those two possessions and, and win the football game. Yeah, but Rocky Long doesn't want to throw the ball, so what does it matter about the corners? I mean, everybody wants to make somebody one-dimensional, and Rocky Long makes his team one-dimensional for you. <laughs> well, Rocky... Rocky does want to run the football. It was funny because I was watching the Weber State game a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about how they were going to spread it out, how they're going to throw it around more and all that stuff. And then, you know, I, I tell people all the time, coaches go back to their default settings when they start feeling the pressure, right? And they went right back to just trying to run the ball, and they hunkered down, and they just protected a win at Weber State. They played, you know, some tough defense and some really, really average offense and won that game. But then they go and beat UCLA. And so it's it's an interesting matchup. I Rocky Long's teams, you know, they 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 play kind of this amoeba defense and they, they play this this front that's really, really hard to see and they kinda of reduce you in your own running game to having to run a zone scheme because you never know where guys are going to be. So you have to run a zone running game scheme. It takes away some of your counter stuff, your power stuff, some of the te- some of the things that teams like to run. And so it can make you one-dimensional in your run game the way they play defense. But we'll see. I, I, I was not impressed with Rocky's offense against Weber, that's for sure. So if Utah State can can play good enough defense this weekend and then score points like they've been able to, they're going to be all right. PK's uh, Mrs. Mrs. PK went to a um, uh, I don't know speech meeting something and and learned from a uh, a trained clinical psychologist that seventy percent of everybody's thoughts are negative. You're into this. You're in. You're the mental strength coach and all that. You work at Weber State. You work with local high schools all over. Are you buying that? Are seventy percent of all of our thoughts negative? No. The last the last six to eight studies it's seventy seven percent, and that's if you come from a a two-parent home without sexual, physical abuse and with just the normal, like, emotional abuse. It's 77%. Now, that number's a little bit misleading in the sense that um, some of it is, is what they call negative or counterproductive, and counterproductive thoughts are more like excuses. So, like, you know, you're going along, you're trying to get a job, and you don't get a job, and the kid in the neighborhood gets the job because his dad's connected. And so you have that thought to yourself, well... 
my dad's just not as connected as his dad. That's why I didn't get the job. So some of that number skewed a little bit because it includes like excuses, but all of those thoughts are, are negative and counterproductive to your, to your ability to get better. And so, yeah, it's even higher than what she says. And I'll tell you what's scary about that statistic is they think that we have any, in fact, they know that we have anywhere between 66 and 80,000 thoughts a day. So if we take that low number at 66,000 and we take 77%, it's 50,000 thoughts a day we're barraging ourselves with negative self-talk. Uh, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> There's all kinds of cool tools to help you, though. Just to, Just by the way you stand, can help you to talk to yourself better, and the way and the way that you hold yourself actually helps you to um, to improve some of that negative self talk. So, yeah, before look, we some know negative self talk, some of your negative self talk protects you though. Like when you're thinking to yourself, "I probably shouldn't go 100 miles an hour in the middle of this snowstorm," like it protects you. So you don't want to eliminate all your negative self talk, but you do want to you do want to manage it a little bit better, PK. Okay. Can I stand up now? <laughs> <laughs> stand up, shoulders back, hands on your hips, chin up, dude. You got this. Okay. You got this. We'll see, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what is this, your Eeyore impression? Come on, man, you're a tigger. You're a tigger. <laughs> uh, maybe I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Who really cares anyway? Who really cares anyway? Hey. PK, if you keep acting like this, you're going to be that guy that nobody wants to pick up the phone because it weighs 75 pounds when you call. Like, oh, PK's calling me. Suck. I don't have a half an hour. I haven't got a half an hour to worry about this. I think that's already there. That's why I don't even bother to call people anymore. (laughs) Why do you play this so well? Why do you play this so well? Just, I don't know. Because he's not playing. I wish somebody would play with me. All right, Riley. We'll let you go. Uh, we're going to set up a time. You're going to set up a couple meetings with PK. You might meet okay. with him once or twice a week. PK, let's go to lunch, man. We'll get we'll get your dauber up. Okay. You'll be ready to go. I hope I'm hungry. The dauber. <laughs> Thanks, Riley. All right, man. There's Riley Jensen. He and Riley Nelson join us every week talking football. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.